Hey, how's it going? Agro here from the Juicing Room Podcast. Before we get started with the episode you're listening to right now, I would just like to take a moment to tell you about a survey we here at the Juicing Room are running uh, of the little demographics and trends on our corner of the internet full of fun people. It's not an obligation. You don't have to fill it out, obviously, if you don't want to. And you can be as specific or non-specific as you want to be. There are a few required questions just to gauge like certain trends, like get a baseline understanding of things. But like I said, be as specific or as non-specific as you want. It will be linked in our Twitter page and will be listed in this podcast description as well. So you can just freely access it from anywhere. Other than that, let's get started with your episode. Thanks for listening to our wonderful mumbling. The following podcast contains coarse language and sexual content. Listener discretion is advised. What's juicing my fruit? <laughs> this is Behind the Berries, the podcast in which we talk about the juiciest berries in all of history. I, I, oh god, oh Jesus, uh, that's a good podcast, I just stole it, okay. Um, it's been a while, mostly thanks to the co- coronavirus and jobs. Although, hey, on the bright side, uh, we actually managed to get an episode out, uh, after lockdown lifted. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we stick to our promises. All right. So, well, how have you been, Sassy? It, it's It's been crazy, you know? I... I've been vaccinated since the epi- since the last episode, uh, and I've been out doing shit. I actually went to uh, I went into New York City, and uh, I got to participate in Pride and uh, visit some old friends that I haven't seen in ages. That's amazing. I I've been vaccinated for a while. You know what I did with that? Absolutely nothing. I've been inside most of the time. I'm not working. Well, that sucks. I've been trying to look for a new job, and let me tell you, it's not easy. It's it's not easy. I've I've been I'm in that boat too. I think a lot of other people are in that boat as well. Oh God, I just I, I like I don't want to be delivering pizzas, but you know it's not the worst thing. How would we gauge our feeling today, Safi? I'd say I I'm a little bit frazzled. You know, it's it's been a couple months since we did one of these, so I need to uh, kind of get back in the groove a little bit. So if I'm if I'm a little bit awkward, if I'm a little bit like screwy in my sentence delivery. Uh, that is why. <laughs> Yes, same. I just woke up probably about 10 minutes ago, uh, fully. I've been off and on awake, but, you know, I'm good. Um, So, like, shall we get on to the first segment? Shall we we move on to the uh, review segment? Let's give the people what they want to (laughs) see. Alrighty, so our first segment of the day, as always, is uh, our review segment, and... Uh, as you guys have graciously answered the survey that I put out, the the choice between two clips, it was neck and neck up until quite literally the end. At which point, the Mikatan Berry Suit won, which uh, that one is called Mika's Blueberry Games. It is the first and only clip with Mika Tan in a uh, in the blueberry suit. Uh, and and wh- where do we start with this one? I I don't know how to start with this. One. <laughs> I really like this clip. Like, this is... I'm not normally a fan of the sort of the POV teasing videos that Taylor puts out, but this one... This one struck all the right chords with me. I, I love... I love her... I, I just love her general sort of teasing attitude. Like, I feel like... 
whenever I watch a lot of these clips, uh, like the suit props themselves, like I understand like doing blueberry inflation in live action. It's not an easy thing to pull off without cutting some corners. It's not easy in porn to make anything super realistic because that's the nature of porn. A lot of the suspension of disbelief with these kinds of clips falls on the actors to really sell it. And I feel like she sold it really well. Oh yeah, Mika's a fantastic actress. If I'm not mistaken, this is like one of the only two clips she's ever done that's uh, blueberry themed. And it is the only one where she does a suit. I have both. And no, it... uh. It's a great clip because, like, you get Mika, who is a very playful and very fun, like, tease. She's very engaging with the viewer. And then you get you get some very fantastic makeup, which is, like, it's a very monocolor. It's very, but, the like, the lipstick is a different color, or the lips are a different color blue than the face. And you get, like, engaging and fun and interactive parts in the, in the clip. It's very well made. So one thing for me personally that I liked about this clip was the fact that, again, a lot of the reason that I'm sort of turned away from a lot of the POV content uh, is because it tends to be very male-centric, tends to uh, focus a lot on uh, stroke your cock and, and I'll get bigger, <laughs> that kind yeah. of thing. And like, oh, that's yeah. not really, uh, as as a as a trans woman, that's not really my scene, you know, but I, I like the fact that for the most part, she managed to stay mostly gender neutral throughout that whole thing. Like, it really, anybody could be her partner in this situation. It's very much more focused less on the viewer being super sexual with the dick tease and shit. Well, and I'm not trying to shame anybody who's into that. Like, if that's your thing, no, no. Like, that is absolutely there's fine. There's plenty. There's no, there's plenty. It's it's a good point to point out there because it's a very gender neutral clip and it's very like engaging in that way to where it's it's more about just general pleasure as opposed to specific pleasure and, and as to and like who gets it and why. It, it's it, like it's one of my favorite clips because Mika is one of my favorite actresses. And this is going to sound so fucking stupid because th we're talking about porn, but it's it's a wholesome clip sort of it's playful as opposed to overtly sexual and for me that's that's a lot more comforting because like like while i'm pansexual it's like a labyrinth to try and get me to be sexual i guess because i because like being overtly sexual kind of it's more comedic to me than it is arousing and stuff it's it's very well made how they've like how the performance is brought about and how engaging like mika is well, I actually found the clip to be very arousing because it wasn't entirely overtly sexual. Rather than emphasizing the sexual element, it was more of the the feeling of being stuck and having to be rolled around. Oh yeah, there's a stuckage moment. <laughs> <laughs> that whole time I was thinking, like, why didn't you just move the table? Why did you have the table? Yeah, no, I get that. Because, like, a lot of the actresses in, like, later clips and in some of the clips just tend to be like, oh, well, we just gotta talk about being horny and like and you know to, to each their own and like there's a little bit of horny in this one but it, it runs the gambit from like a variety of different horny. yeah it's, it's like playful horny almost and meek is a great like actress she's she's one i think she's from the latter half of like like because there's different waves to porn history there's the solid state wave where it's just vhs and dvd you know, and then there's the online wave. And the first half of that, it was just mostly, it was like taking what was solid state and putting it online. And now we just have almost <laughs> purely fuck meat based advertising and porn. And it just, it just doesn't work as well as the old stuff did. Not, there's not to say that there's not some great porn out there. It's just more just like, it's industrialized. You can kind of tell that it's all, if we replace the people in this, it would be the exact same. 
and a lot of a lot of what uh, Mika M exemplifies, and hell, a lot of the actresses in some of these clips exemplify is that focus more on engagement and just generally to train like the that early kind of aesthetic, you know? Yeah, it's like when I'm watching this, I don't feel that same sense of depersonalization when I'm watching regular porn. You know, it feels very it feels very intimate and wholesome and you know, I feel like I love how we're saying this is wholesome is porn. <laughs> I know, but it's like it's what what is the other word we can use to describe it? Uh, a genuine it feels like I am in a relationship with this person and they trust me enough that they are willing to blow up into a giant ball for my pleasure. <laughs> oh yeah, and then they've done this this concept before and I think that they've they've nailed it sometimes and I think they've failed it sometimes. And it's just sort of depending upon the story and the context. It's it's fascinating to just see how different repeated concepts play out in di- like with different actresses in different different time frames this is one of the ones that are just like genuine and you know sweet and loving and that's that's not exactly common in the tailor-made clips repertoire <laughs> yeah like most of it is usually like oh fuck i'm scared it's usually like non-consensual it's usually they don't they don't know that what they're in for and so like when they start blowing up to a blueberry they start getting scared and everything and there's there's fun in that too but it's very refreshing to see somebody who knows what they're getting into and they are playing it up a bit i think the the happy medium between the oh god what's happening and the here here you go my love is the it's happening and they're just fucking chill about it yeah and this this is what this clip is (laughs) i would recommend this for anyone who just i wouldn't say lonely but it's just sort of just like i've noticed men who watch porn there's this moment there's the period right after where they're just like what have i done Which is so weird, because A, I think I've had that maybe twice in my entire life. It's not a common thing, like, for me. And B, it's just like, if you you really just sort of want to have something that doesn't make you feel like shit, this is a good one. This is a good one that makes you sort of feel, like, warm and happy and shit. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like I could have used more of that during my teenage years when I was first getting into this kind of stuff. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I was kind of ashamed of my sexuality for a little bit. You know, not necessarily because I hated the concept of liking women, but because the way I was being socialized to like women just didn't really feel right with me. And considering that, you know, a lot of this expansion content is considered to be deviant, I guess. You know, like, that was sort (laughs) of an extra layer of shame on top of that. So I feel like, you know, having more of this kind of content, it makes it feel less weird. That's sort of an interesting conversation to have because you have basically an entire subset of people who are already, like, if, if we're going to factor in just the gender dynamic here, you have the entire subset of people, like men who are interested in deviant sexuality, who are already sort of seen as odd. It's not a common thing for men's sexuality to be more comfortable and to be more not conquest based like as a sociologist we've we've ta- I've talked extensively about this with you know people in my classes and read like, like shit like studies and and and, and like re- and reflections on it and and this sort of reflects the, the the something that is necessary with not only deviant sexualities but just with with masculine sexuality in general it's just it's genuine and, and gentle and it's sort of welcoming and it allows for affirmation of of like one's existence and one's comfort because we all need that if you have a weird sexuality uh, or sexual proclivity you just do because that's the, the not, it just helps you ground yourself in reality and not feel like shit exactly so yeah uh how 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 are we gonna rate this uh 
I don't think we... Did we even rate the last one? No, but I was thinking we could do something funny like... 18 grapple! <laughs> what? <laughs> From Rick and Morty. Uh, I'll, I'll give it... I'll give it five blueberries out of five. <laughs> yeah, because this is, this is just a top-tier clip. Like, I, this is about... Like, as far as the TMC library with particularly blueberry inflation content is concerned, like, this is top-tier stuff. Dope, dope shit. This is dope as fuck. Mm. One, 100 out of... It, 10. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Alright. So, uh, last time, we did not do a featured artist. And we had somebody planned for it, but we... We forgot. <laughs> you know, it's it's a bit confusing because you know I'm still kind of new to this, and you know oh, yeah. I just we're, wanted to. We're, it's it's we're still feeling it out. <laughs> yeah, we just wanted to get sort of an episode out that way. I had something under my belt, uh, and in, in that rush to do so, we forgot to add a featured artist. So to make up for that, we're gonna have two, two featured artists. Count them two. Yeah. I don't know why I referenced SpongeBob. <laughs> However. We decided to venture a little bit outside of our comfort zone with these two. So we have a transformation artist uh, with Mancor and a male inflation artist with uh, Busip. Is that how you pronounce it? I, I say Busip. 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 <laughs> Bussy boy. Uh, I'll, I say we start with Busip just because it's easier to and it's easier to transition into transformation from Busip because... Uh, bus up is not like the other artists that we've had before. I won't spoil it. <laughs> well, I just—I literally just said they're a male inflation artist, so yeah, kind of gives the game away a little yeah. bit. The thing—the thing with me that I like about like uh, his stuff or her stuff—I uh, don't know. They're uh, he him. He goes by he him. Ah, okay, cool. The the stuff about his, uh, his stuff is it's very round and very like bubbly and stuff. Like I don't know how to explain the the, the way that I would interpret it because I interpret most of this stuff through texture. Like when it comes to morph stuff, is it's round, it's tight, it's bubble-ish. Like there's lots of bubbles and stuff. And and from what I gather about the more male-centric inflation and the more like homoerotic inflation stuff, the concept of a bubble butt and the concept of not anti-buffness, it's it, it, the concept of being larger and having and being being a fluffy dude. Yes, that I'm, you know, like I may be pansexual, but I'm not very adventurous. So I know nothing of that kind of like terminology and stuff. Yeah, as as a lesbian, this is a little bit outside of my particular repertoire as well. But I still genuinely appreciate a lot of this just for the, I love the shapes that he does. I love all the textures as well. I love all the tech, the attention to detail. This is a lot of the stuff I try to incorporate in some of my work, but he does it really well. There were times in which I was like, should, should I, should I follow? Should I not? Should I, should I look at this? I'm like, yeah, why not? Because like, the, it's, it's genuinely good shapes. It's genuinely good. And the colors too. The colors are very, like, very standout. Like, they're very vibrant. Which is something that you don't often see, or if you do see, it's not like, coordinated vibrancy i i that's the term i would use like the color the vibrancy of the colors don't match the setting like if you catch my drift so yeah it's it's very well very well he, he makes great great stuff do you have any specific images you you think you would recommend like from just like uh peering through it i mean i don't think i have a specific image in mind but i love a lot of his textured work you look at a lot of morph artists uh at least on deviant art uh and like when they try to work on a large scale like with like huge inflated bodies like a lot of the skin looks kind of 
fake. This guy really goes to great lengths to make sure that the inflated skin actually looks like inflated skin. And it's taut. It's taut. There's, like, veins and hair. And, like, I, I really love that attention to detail. I know that realism is not really everybody's <laughs> cup of tea. But as someone who it's really digs... It's something that fascinates you, yeah. Yeah, it's something that fascinates me. And as someone who really digs the realism angle, I really love how he goes out of his way to emphasize that. And it's very well done in that regard. From my understanding, it's very hard to capture in morph art the thing that like uh, homoerotic inflation wants to capture. I'm in a, like maybe one or two male inflation servers, and he's very popular there because it's 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 very well done and very much caters to that to that interest. And I understand why, because a the number that there are of male inflation artists who do that aren't numerous. <laughs> Or they're just, or they haven't made stuff in a while, and I guess they're like not not prominent. And honestly, I encourage more people to work inside that subset and kind of cater to that gaze because there is a market for it. There is, there are people who want to see it, who want to like like engage with it. You know, I know Woods would definitely like to see it. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely, hundred percent. So, um, shall we move on to the other artist? So the other artist uh, we wanted to present this week was uh, Mangkor, who is an animator of sorts. They're an animator morph thing. If I were to qualify, it's halfway between both, you know? Like, because they, they make stuff from real stuff. Like, they make animations from real videos into, like, animation. And then they just alter animations, which are very fascinating. Um, well, yeah, like, and it's amazing, because it's like his, like, for the most part, you look at you know, the original clip, and you look at what he added, and it looks almost seamless, like, as if it was part of the original source material. It's, it is in-fucking-sane, <laughs> some of these clips. It is, like, insane. There's this one from, like, Office Space, where this one guy shifts into a horny fox, and it's, it's like, it happened in the movie. Oh yeah, that one was one of my favorites. I wish that could happen to me. <laughs> That's fair. What's, what stapler is he using? <laughs> There's this one where this chick is standing in a mirror and is turning into a Pikachu, or what is, I, I guess is like a Pikachu anthro person, and they get massive tits. <laughs> There's donkey transformation and fox transformation. There's this one where this woman turns from like a, like a physical person into a cartoon and just grows and gets wider. That's a common thing. Like, there's both animal, like, person transformation, and then there's just general, like, an like bimbofication animation style, like, cartoonif cartoonified it's, bimbo. It's tunification, if you will. Hell yeah. Yeah. There's this one clip, uh, like, this one clip I really like where, uh, it's from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and, um, it's been a while since I've seen the movie, so I forget who this character was, but she was looking at, uh, Jessica Rabbit walking out of the room and then just turns around to the camera and suddenly transforms into an animated woman as well. Oh yeah, I'm I'm looking at that one right now. I just scrolled down and like you were describing it and that's like, oh, it's this one. It's literally just boing and it and it matches the animation style of Roger fucking Rabbit. It's amazing. Like that movie was revolutionary for the time and the fact that some person can make something like if not on that quality, at least close to that quality, like, that's amazing. Oh, it is absolutely astounding. It's stunning. There's also, I've scrolled down further, there is dinosaur transformation. That is something I have not seen before, actually, shockingly. You'd be surprised. I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but, like, one of my awakenings was this magic school bus game where you could take the different characters and, like, turn them into dinosaur hybrids. <laughs> 
there is a Snorlax transformation, which is <laughs> I love Snorlax transformations. Not gonna lie, they're 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 just fun. My absolute favorite is the one from uh, I think the um I think the source clip was from Fairy Tale, where this one uh, waitress woman turns into a rabbit. I think I know what you're talking about. I'm trying to see if I can find it. I love the attention to detail on this. I love the way that her snout changes and how they still kept the lip flaps moving throughout that whole thing. It's so good. I don't even have the words to describe it. It's just, it's just so well made. Like this, if you do not follow this person right now, uh, you should because he is so talented or they are so talented. I, I don't know their pronouns. Oh yeah, and I like I found the little animation you're talking about. It is fascinating how much attention to detail this person has. And then like two things down, there's something from another. I think it's a Digimon anime. All these transformations fascinate me because they're well made, they're well crafted, and they just sort of they match the the animation style, which is something that I've noticed is very hard to capture when you're an animator. They just get. It's just fascinating to me that, that uh, like, what they can make and how they've made it and stuff. And I think the the fun thing is, like, I've seen them, like, on Twitter as well. I've seen their Twitter stuff, and it's very well made. It's very fascinating. So, yeah, I say give this person a follow if you just want to see some pretty astounding transformative, like, transformation stuff. It's very interesting. It's very well made. I'll say I'd love to commission this guy if, if I if I was more confident in showing my face. I'm sure they'd work around it too. Like even if like they 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 just find a different like you know cycle of it, or they try and figure out a way to work with your comfort. Because like there's definitely something there. There's this one where this lady's in a bar and she just turns into a cow person with four tits, which is kind of <laughs> kind of fucking cool as shit. But yeah, no. And okay, side note: it's main core. When I first was trying to find this person. I kept misspelling it, saying Manticore. <laughs> yeah. As someone with dyslexia, I empathize. I was just like, I don't know why I can't find it. And then I'm like, then I then I was like, who is this artist again? It's like, oh, it's Maincore. I'm like, oh, not Manticore. Oops. <laughs> I, I was about to say, no, it's the creature from Star Wars. But no, that was the Rancor. <laughs> so, so was a Mancor like a like a hybrid between the two? Oh, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> it could, it could just be, it could just be the main core that you send into the into battle of military. Maybe that'll be my, uh, that'll be my commission. I want him to turn me into a a main core. <laughs> no, it's just the entire state of Maine in the shape of a rain core. Oh, that would be that'd be horrifying. Oh God, Oh, main core. But no, that's that they they got some cool and fascinating stuff. Alrighty, shall we move on to the uh, next segment since since we kind of got a taste of it in a few a few seconds ago? So I think a lot of us have the Wonka movies, both the seventy one version and the O five movie, and of course the masterpiece that is the Tom and Jerry remake. Um, <laughs> we have those movies to thank for getting us into this community, but there are a lot of us who got into it through other means, or maybe had other influences as well and i wanted to talk about what was the piece of media that got us into this that wasn't wonka related do you want me to start because like because i know we both got one but for me i guess there were a couple there were a few like there were different disney channel stuff that would happen that i saw that i was literally like this is causing some weird awakening but then there was also like uh there was the there's a series of commercials by 
Capri Sun called Respect the Pouch. And following that, there was the Disrespectoids, and it was just a bunch of people just fucking up a Capri Sun pouch for some reason. I don't know why anyone would feel the need to beat up a piece of aluminum like that, but, like, they they did that. And the second in that phase was, um, or maybe the third, if you count the one where the dude's, like, little dude steps on it and just shoots in the air. But, like, um, the, the second one was uh, Whoopi Kushner, which whoever came up with this concept just was bizarre because basically she inflates the pouch, puts it under a person, uses it as a whoopee cushion. And then she gets hands and feet that are whoopee cushions and turns pink. And that kind of got me fascinated with transformation very distinctly because I was, I just was like, wow, I, there are no words to describe the feeling that I have right now. I, I definitely see what you mean. Cause I remember those commercials as well. Like for me, it wasn't so much the fact that she grew whoopee cushions on her, hands and feet, but it was the fact that her entire skin also took on the same material texture of the whoopee cushions themselves. It was it was definitely that part for me a lot, because it was just like, I'm a tactile person, and like, rubber is hit or miss, and that kind of rubber is kind of like, oh wow, that's a nice feeling. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. There were a lot of very bizarre things that happened in those commercials, one of which just, I assume they were lethal. <laughs> I'm just so tired of people judging our generation for the weird fetishes we have. Because, like, have <laughs> you seen the kind this. of media we were exposed to as kids? There is a period of, of, the, of the 90s to, the, to 2010. There's a 20-year period where every commercial had the potential of, like, ter- like, making a kid's brain go boing. Like someone's head in a Fruit Gushers commercial. Fucking goddammit. I knew you are going to go right there. I should have known. <laughs> It would be inappropriate of me not to bring that up. Oh, God. And that, you know how we have the commercial thing where I put it, like, just floating in the box, like, between our two fa- like two images? I know for a fact that at least once that commercial is played there. <laughs> that commercial just, that commercial made me very much confused because that never happened when I ate a gusher and I was very confused for a while. Oh, I was afraid to eat gushers for fear that my head would turn into a fruit. <laughs> I think as a small child, I was more afraid of completely benign things. And when I saw something that would be life-changing and terrifying, I'd be like, why isn't it happening? <laughs> what? what? I'm so confused. Like, there's a lot of interesting media. And you've, you've pointed out, like, you're, like, you have your own. So what, shall we flesh out other ones? Or should we just explore these specific ones? Well, I'd like to talk about the one I brought to the table. Specifically, the book A Bad Case of Stripes by David Shannon. Oh, that's a, that, there are definitely other people I know who are like, yeah, that kind of got me into that too. What specific page or what specific part? Pretty much all of it. From page two onward, it's just an escalating series of Cronenberg-esque body horror. It's fucking weird. Package for children. What they qualify as children's books can can range from, oh, happy little bird goes to see his mole friend, to, oh, by the way, if you don't eat lima beans, you're going to turn into your house. <laughs> Which, that is, that, that is, that is scary to think about. <laughs> I've never eaten lima beans in my entire life, and none of that has ever happened to me. <laughs> 
To be fair, that book actually inspired me to try lima beans. And my 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 mom, when when I told her after reading that book, hey, I would like to try lima beans, she's like, are you sure they're not that good? I'm like, yeah, I want to try them. I remember dissecting a lima bean in some elementary school class, and it looked terrible. Wow, th- this is even worse than the cartoons made it out to be. <laughs> I can understand why Carl Weezer kept having nightmares about these things. <laughs> but yeah, so the book itself, for those who don't know, follows a young girl named Camilla Cream, who, interestingly enough, actually does enjoy lima beans. But the reason she doesn't eat them is because apparently they're not cool and people at school keep teasing her for liking lima beans. Who the fuck <laughs> Can I, can I just ask, who the fuck cares? I don't know. Like, who, who the fuck? Like, it's just a bee. I mean, I mean, I was picked on in school for more benign shit than that, so I, who am I to judge? <laughs> to be fair, I, I don't, I thought I wasn't bullied. Um, I was bullied. So yeah, for weird shit. So yeah, totally fair. 100%. But still, it's just a bean. They're just mean. So one day she decides that she's no longer going to eat lima beans because of peer pressure. She goes to school next day and she falls ill with the strange illness that makes her turn into a human pride flag. (laughs) And at first they think, oh, it's this is nothing. She's fine. She can go back to school. The very next day she stands up for the Pledge of Allegiance and then starts turning into the colors of the American flag. That 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 was a bizarre one. That was that was definitely one that got to me because like I remember seeing the cover and thinking, oh, okay, so she's got she's got rainbow stripes. That's uh that's that's nothing too notable. Oh no, now she's changing color. Now now shit's getting real. Now now she can change and that's fucking crazy. Like she's like a human chameleon now. And so they try to medicate her. They uh they basically give her this medicine that will hopefully uh that will hopefully reverse the effects of this disease pathogen whatever you want to call it and this this image has stuck with me for my entire life seeing this made me feel things that my six-year-old brain was not ready to feel and when you see it it you'll understand why so she takes these pills and then like turns into a human pill like it's almost like an inflation sequence where she her body changes shape into that of a like a cylinder almost when you're young and you're like looking at these bizarre media things, you're just you're you, how you digest them is is either you're just like ah oh, that's terrible I don't want to look at that anymore or like you stick there and you look at the page and you're just like hmm and you just sit there and you just you're you you go home but your brain's just like wonder what that would feel like and you just start spiraling and that's what happens and that is how it happens and I know exactly what page you're talking about because I was like this looks interesting. Yeah, I had that several times throughout looking at these pictures. But, oh, it gets worse. So (laughs) she's at home, she's bedridden, she's watching the TV, and she keeps flipping through all the different channels. And then because she's absorbing all of this different stimuli, she transforms into this weird, again, I I can only describe it as Cronenbergian monster. It is (laughs) Yeah. There should never be a movie of this. There should never ever ever be a movie of this oh there absolutely should because you know it's gonna awaken a whole lot of people like like she turns into this tree monster with like a tiger tail oh god it's if i remember correctly she has one tree leg she has like she's her she no longer has hair she has different things that have taken the place of her hair 
she's definitely got the rainbow bits in it, but she's got like tiger patterns. Like it's, and it's just like in the silhouette shadow what you see. Again, this was <laughs> this was a book for children, and they put this kind of shit in there. This was very effective, probably getting people to eat their fucking lima beans. Is what is what what I'm what I'm getting at because it it was fucky wucky with your head. And then after all of this weird stuff has transpired, it crescendos into her basically transforming into her room. Her bed is now her lips. Her dresser is now her nose. And then there are like two paintings of trees hanging on the wall that are her eyes. Oh god, that- oh yep, that's- oh, that scared me. That did kind of scare me when I was younger. <laughs> this book was like a fucking roller coaster because you're like, oh wow, what a- I would have a crush on this girl too. Oh wow, oh no. It was a series of moments in which I thought to myself- I am feeling this weird feeling that I don't think my brain is capable of processing yet. So I don't know how to feel about this. When I was, when I read it the first time, like I, like I said, I was like around eight to 10. I thought Camilla was cute. Every time when I was younger, when I would develop a weird interest or kink or kink adjacent thing that would develop into a kink, it was always a character that I'm like, oh, that's adorable. That something either terrible happens to or who suffers. (laughs) I like Lava Girl. She can't hug you. She cannot hug you. I like Camellia Cream House. <laughs> well, I mean, neither of them can hug you because they're not real. I know, but uh, for Jesus, <laughs> fucking crush, crush my dreams like that. I can't. I can't hang out with Tay. D- uh, nah, nah, I couldn't. She's too Jesusy for me. But <laughs> I had to cross out everything in your dream journal. It's probably. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Somebody send him to the principal's office and have him expelled! Can we just side note? That is a fucking... That's that's a movie that exemplifies the same kind of energy this book exemplifies. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Things happen, and they happen for a reason, and you don't know what that reason is, but they just keep happening. So the book ends uh, with her grandmother coming over and giving her the lima beans. There's this, there's this very vivid image of her tossing the lima beans into this open <laughs> bed frame that is her mouth. And, you know, she magically transforms back to normal. And, like, the general moral of the story is, like, don't have others shape who you are. You know, try to, you know, embrace who you are, be yourself, all that positive stuff. But that is such a weird, roundabout way to go about conveying that message. There are two morals to this story. The first moral. <laughs> Don't let others make you be who, wait, be a specific way. The other moral, eat your fucking vegetables or you will turn into your house. Which, there are probably some kids who'd be like, yeah, totally, I want to become my house. But there are also some people who are like, that is terrifying, I don't want to become my house. I mean, it's like, what if I wanted to turn into a human pride flag, David? <laughs> what if I wanted to have the colors of the American flag, David? What if oh I wanted God. to inflate into a giant pill, David? David! <laughs> Fuck your lima beans! Fuck your lima beans! Oh, it's fucking... Oh, God. And both of these both of these stories, I actually have original characters based off of the concepts that made them. Which, let me tell you, getting that to work is very hard. <laughs> once you do, once you figure out how to describe them, it, it goes far. Yeah, no, they're very pivotal parts of of different transformative stuff and i honestly if you have like been affected by either of these things you might be entitled to financial compensation (laughs) god damn it i was i was trying to make something very nice and engaging and then i was like that was the first thing i went to you gave this fetish to me 
I deserve compensation. We <laughs> just run up to David Shannon. David, you fucker! <laughs> no, David. Bad David. Shit, fuck, I forgot he wrote those books, too. If you attended a an elementary school book fair from the early to mid-2000s, you probably saw one of his books there. Oh, yeah, he, he still writes, I'm sure. He still has probably plenty. But if you were ever uh, affected by a non-Wonka, transformative, inflatative, gigantative-itive thing... <laughs> those are not words. If you ever had that when you were younger... Comment below. Tell us your weird stories. Because believe me, there are plenty of, of weird things that have like sort of gotten people in that realm, you know? Tell us what piece of media irreversibly fucked up your perception of sex. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's, that is a fucking, wor- that is a fucking like line. <laughs> Tell us what... Piece of children, me- children's media irreversibly fucked up your view of sex. I mean, that's just <laughs> that's just the two thousands. Just cut out the entire two thousands. Just go film by film. Yeah, nope. Yeah, nope. Yeah, nope. There's probably somebody who like saw the Grinch movie and was like, "Oh wow, that's sexy." What the, the Jim Carrey movie? I mean, yeah, you got to think about that. There were people who wanted to fuck Snape. There are obviously people who want to fuck the Grinch. I saw that movie when I was little, and I was too frightened by it. I love that movie more more so because it's just it's it's just the two thousands Dr. Seuss movies. That's all they were were just these bizarre forays into hey, would you like to see something fucked up? I remember wanting to see Cat in the Hat when it first came out, and then like my mother my mother told me, oh god, no this this movie is not reviewing very well. Uh, you you do not want to see this. No, she probably said that, A, because it was true, and B, because she did not want to sit through an hour and a half of Mike Myers. <laughs> oh, oh, cat. yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I think I saw that in theaters. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. It was an insane, it was an insane trip. That fucking movie is just like, what the hell? Like, the Jim Carrey Grinch was like a very well-made, practical effects take on the Grinch. The Mike Myers cat in the hat was, you know- It looks so creepy! <laughs> he doesn't have any room to move. <laughs> it's, it's be, it, the literal thought process behind it is, it is like, you know what? I wonder what Mike Myers as the Cat in the Hat would be like for an hour and a half, and that's it. Which sounds scarier, uh, Mike Myers and the Cat in the Hat, or like the entire cast of Cats? Oh fuck! Fuck you! Why would you make me choose? That's that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's not fair. That's like choosing a torture method. Um. Cats, obviously, because it's just uncomfortable. I can enjoy Cat in the Hat. I cannot enjoy Cats. I mean, it's like, that movie is very clear evidence as to why Hollywood needs to hire more furry artists. (laughs) But at the same time, at the same time, I remember when I first saw the trailer of that movie and I saw uh, Rebel Wilson, I was like, ooh, hmm, BBW Cat Persona. You know what? Maybe this won't be all bad. And then it was. And, and then it she was. She vores a cockroach. Oh my god. She vores a cockroach. I, the, With a I human even... face! Oh god, they're... Oh, okay. okay, clearly, clearly <sighs> the person, clearly the people behind that movie were influenced way too much by early 2000s children's media. Oh god, I just... That movie is, that movie just makes me think, like, it, it just looks moist. And I don't like it. I usually don't have an issue with the concept of moisture. Like, I like oh, a nice moist cake. 
a nice early moist dewy day okay that's fine that movie looks moist cats and human-faced animals should not look moist in any fucking way but yeah so that was the bizarre media that got us into transformation and size kingdom when we were very small very small kids who were just like wow this is i don't know how to process this but i like it now we're gonna go into our interview segment should i do the oh god should i do the flashback sequence i don't know i'm just gonna go blue skidoo interview and welcome to the interview portion of the podcast today our guest is uh max growth we're returning guests uh max growth yes uh for a special occasion max would you like to introduce what you uh are doing or what you have started the fundraising process for um well um it is for a 30 minute theatrical quality short film about a blueberry girl the goal is to produce three separate transformation based short films and then bundle them into an anthology feature film that is mainstream enough that it can be put on streaming services, but still have all of the, you know, fetish heavy, fetish friendly elements that everybody in our community would be looking for. All right. Yeah, cool. All right. Um, and so so this is the initial short or this is uh, this uh, this is sort of step one to getting towards that uh, by the sound of it. Right. Right. This would be the very first segment of the anthology so this would be the first short in the actual film all right and uh do you have a plot summary of any uh, of any kind yeah uh, essentially this is uh violet beauregard's daughter uh is like 19 she's in college this is a world where violet is sort of a celebrity for having uh become a berry in this universe, Violet was an adult. When it happened, she wasn't uh, a child. And Violet's daughter, Valentina Beauregard, she has sex for the first time with her boyfriend, which sort of triggers this latent transformation in her leftover from her mom's experience. All right, so it's sort of mutagenic. <laughs> yeah. So you said that you want to, that you're hoping to have this picked up on, like, mainstream streaming services. That's something I never really considered. Like, uh, would something like Netflix even consider, like, this content even? I, I, I wasn't even aware of that. Well, I, I don't think this is probably something that would probably make it on Netflix, but there are uh, tons of other sort of, like, I, I don't know what you would call, like, mid-level streaming services that sort of have a lot of crazy b-movie type like shutter yeah i was about to say like, kind of like shutter yeah like maybe it could go on something like shutter i think uh there's another one that's like a like a low rent shutter that is like i think it's full moon i know what you're talking about yeah the the b-movie streaming services and stuff because uh, I, I listen to podcasts and sometimes they'll advertise for shutter and stuff like that and i'll be like oh wow a streaming service for a very niche audience <laughs> so yeah so it's it's about the daughter of Violet Beauregard. Uh, do you have like uh, ideal like cast members? Do you have cast choices? Uh, maybe uh, tell our audience about that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, at, like right now, um, 
kind of the way it works with like theatrical quality because like the equipment that I have, the the sort of level skill set that I have is not kind of up to par for when it comes to like having the equipment to do theatrical quality. Because if, if you want to be able to put it on a streaming service or sell it as a mainstream project, the, you know, the sound quality has to be really good. The video quality has to be really good. And I'm going to need to work with um, a production company um, who has all that stuff um, and the experienced people to do it. So really what happens is we have to raise the money first then once we've raised the money and we, uh, you know, uh, sign the contract with the production company, then we've got something that when the, then we can start casting and we would be casting like mainstream actors and actresses, not like fetish performers. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to having a big name fetish performer, you know, be in it, but um, the, you know, kind of the, where I've reached out so far, nobody seemed to really get, super excited about it so I, I feel like it's probably going to be you know regular mainstream actors and actresses with you know some b-movie experience already i mean that could that could definitely work but i'm just wondering like if somebody isn't particularly familiar with this kind of with this kind of content how much do you think they would be able to bring to it in a lot of ways you're just extrapolating things that happen in other movies and you're just putting it in kind of a weirder scenario. One of the plot elements of this is like there's an attorney who handled Violet Beauregard's uh, settlement with uh, the factory. And sort of he plays into Valentina's uh, transformation because he gets called in and there's sort of these other plot lines. There's like a there's like a representative from the factory that's a Lumpa. She'll be this real tall orange Loompa. That's amazing. I like that. I already like the, the sound of that so much. <laughs> so, and the reason why that, like, they send her is she's too tall to do anything else, so she's the factory's attorney. Oh, did she get did she get stretched <laughs> in the, the taffy puller? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, did, I didn't think about that, but I was thinking, like, she's just this abnormally tall Loompa that her only contribution that she can have is non-factory work so she's the factory attorney well i feel like i feel like she would have something in common with um with violet in that regard like she both she and violet suffered injuries related to the factory and so you have violet who you know is suing wonka for her injuries and then you have the oompa loompa who's despite everything she went through she's still working for the company so that could be that could be sort of an interesting dynamic at play yeah, because um, what I have envisioned is the Violet's attorney and the Lumpa sort of getting cahoots to sort of like the actual truth is like as soon as Valentina calls, like she could go to the factory and they could kind of cure her, so to speak, right away. But the attorney talks to this sort of disgruntled uh, Lumpa and they agree to wait until she gets as big as possible so the settlement can be as big as possible. Ooh. <laughs> so th they can they can juice that settlement. Yeah. <laughs> Squeeze it all for what it's worth. So I'm 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 trying to construct it in a way that is uh you know it's not like just a fetish film or it's just A to Z transformation 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 it's you know there is a a a storyline and a plot line and an arc just like you would theoretically see in 
you know, any other film. It, it is a story that happens to have uh, elements of transformation and inflation in it, rather than it being centered around those two concepts exclusively. Yeah, I mean, what I'm trying to go for is kind of like a 50-50 mix where you have that theatrical feel like you're watching, you know, a real movie, but there's still plenty of that other stuff that that anybody that's watching it, you know, for the uh, the expansion, the blueberry, you know, the uh, leading up to the blueberry stuff, you know, there'll be breast expansion, weight gain, uh, you know, butt expansion, belly expansion. There'll be all the pieces for it, but like, it won't be just that. It'll be a little more depth, a little more story heavy, but there'll be the portions for it for the crowd that, you know, you want to impress as well. Yeah, I, I like I said, I, I, I feel like that we can strike a really good balance between some random person like watching this on a streaming service and be going, wow, look at this crazy thing. But then some like people in our community can look at it and they know immediately what it is and know that it's made just for them. It's kind of like really in a way the joke is on the other audience. Oh yeah. And, and in my mind, this seems kind of like uh not, it's, it's not like the exploitation genre, but it's, it's sort of like that kind of thing where it's like, it uses elements. It, it's like an inversion of that genre instead. It's very. I like where the, where it's going with it, and, and a lot of the ideas you have at play. Um, I, I, the next paycheck I get, I'm going to put twenty dollars at least on your campaign because I, I do want to see this come uh, to fruition. You know. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, it it really means a lot. I mean, you know, when you're you're really asking a lot of people to donate for you to have faith in you that you know you're gonna not only complete something, but that you're going to do it at a, at a high level. So they feel like they're get their money's worth. So really for, for yourself and everybody else that's putting in their hard earned money, I, I really am really grateful. Right. And, and, and I do encourage everyone to like put uh, at least some money into it. Cause like, I do want to see this come to fruition in some capacity or another. Uh, and it's not too much of an expenditure. I mean, if you really want the the download, you have to like put down twenty dollars. But prior to that, you can get behind the scenes photos and videos and all that stuff. And like, and the higher perks, the perks that are for like people who really, really want to be involved, are just absolutely insane. So like, I, I do think that uh, everyone should who who watches this podcast and who who has the ability to should be able to put uh put put some money down help help uh help max out because th this does sound like a really good uh deal do, do you mind going through what like some of the perks are uh to the to the uh um indiegogo campaign well the first here is for one dollar and basically you get a thank you for that and honestly i don't think enough people realize how much the one dollar tier can help because if we had just a small percentage of everybody that saw a post about the project donate a dollar we'd have all the money in just dollar donations so i really humbly ask you know if you got a dollar don't feel like it's too little it's all a big help that's very comforting as someone who is currently unemployed and is very stingy with my money. So I think I will actually drop a dollar on this. It's the cost of a McDonald's big drink. So like it's it's not a lot, but it, like it'll go a long way. Um, and then we have the five dollar perk, which is beside, behind the scenes uh, still pictures. Um, there should be lots of really cool stuff from that. The the nine dollar uh, behind the scenes package is similar you get 
uh, for nine dollars you get all the pictures from the five dollar perk but you also get some video behind the scenes footage which should, which should be some really good stuff too and then I, I do have a question do if you subscribe to a perk uh, on a higher tier do you get all the subsequent tier perks as well yes it, it, Everything that's um, it, it, so it, it trickles down. So anything you get above, you get everything below. So if you get the twenty dollar tier, you get all of the tiers below that. If if you're just crazy and you spend two hundred and fifty for a producer credit, you get everything below that. That's 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 wonderful. See, I, I think uh, a lot of people truly wonder in that in some capacity. Um, now to sort of get into maybe some of the the ideas and plans you had. Uh, if you were to raise the funds, um, what like it would be mostly practical effects, or what would what would you try and like to hybridize? How would you how would you like go through the process of tackling uh, emulating it in your mind? Well, uh, probably the vast bulk of it would be practical effects, just because with the budget, there is probably not going to be um, enough money unless we exceed our goal. Uh, there probably just won't be enough money to do heavy digital effects. Um, I know you guys know Qualtro. Qualtro is the best. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's, I mean, awesome. He did the um, the VFX, you know, that's up on the uh, crowdfunding. And, uh, you know, the, the texture of the, of the digital skin that he put over it really looks great. It does. It looks lovely. Like, the, I think the big thing people worry about is is the initial, like, you know, skin change and stuff, and I, I, I think, I think you uh, do do justice with that. Um, I'm, I'm always just an effects kind of guy, uh, and, and I'm very curious about how that goes. So, um, that, that's just something I think people would be interested in. Well, I, I appreciate you guys having faith in me. Um, like I said, it, it's going to be a combination of practical effects with a little bit of digital effects. Uh, we're going to be having um, a rollable suit fabricated. You know, that's that's part of the budget. Uh, it's part of the money right. that's being raised. Right. Good chunk um, of it, yeah. Yeah, and it um, the fabricator seems extremely confident that it's going to give us everything we need, that it's going to be rollable, it's going to be durable and hold up to production stress. It's going to have a, a little bit of buoyancy. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. There's another uh, producer that I've worked with in the past who is, um, has a suit that I've put up on pictures on DeviantArt and some of the discords. It's a like torso to neck prosthetic. And um, if you've seen the pictures, um, you can get on my DeviantArt if you haven't. And uh, it's not a morph. It's, um, it's been colorized or color edited uh, by the one and only amazing Sassy Viper. Haven't heard of them, though. Apparently, they do good work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a it's a really good color edit. I, I love the like the color depth and tone of it. It's it's perfect. But but uh, you know the suit itself. I mean, there's no morph there. I mean, that's that's how big it gets all on its own. You know, with with without morphing it or anything. So it, it's a pretty amazing prop, and you know we're gonna have uh, access to use that as well. So. I think we're going to have some really good transitional tools, you know, to go from, you know, sort of zero to blueberry. <laughs> I do. I do like the the look of that suit. I, I just pulled it up. That's very, that's very well done. 
very sci-fi-y. So you mentioned that, you know, the crowdfunding campaign is definitely going to help with this project a lot, but you do say that in the campaign that you will go forward with this project, even if it doesn't meet its goals, just with a lot of the corners cut. What are some of the cuts that you expect to make if this uh, campaign doesn't make it? Probably the script, maybe some like little bonus things that are in there that are not absolutely essential to the storyline or the effects uh, would probably get trimmed out. You know, what you might call a little bit of the story fat, so to speak. Uh, it'd be a little a little leaner. It's stuff that I would not want to take out, but if we had to, we could. You know, the digital effects would be one of the things that would have to be, you know, cut back on or possibly even eliminated. Because that's, I mean, Qualtro has offered to help, but it's not necessarily something that we can lean on him to like to do all of that for free. You know, it's it's not simple work. He's really good at it. It's a whole uh, amazing skill set that unfortunately I lack. And, you know, it, it's also an expensive skill set. So we would just have to see, depending on the budget, you know, we might have to just depend either entirely on physical effects or, you know, cut back on the digital. Yeah, that's fair. That makes sense. Um, you'd want to, you like, even w- with the budget that you'd eventually get, you want to get what you can cover and what you can sort of uh, say, uh, you know, go forward with, uh, that that makes sense. I think that would be the biggest concern for people is what you would turn away. And it's very uh, forward thinking of you to have that sort of planned ahead. Because I think one of the big issues with a lot of these kind of like campaigns for just anything is uh, that forward thinking is aspirational. And it doesn't think about what would happen if, you know, uh, something, you know, didn't go the way. And that's very uh, good, good that you've thought that through. Well, you know, w- one of the things that made me wait so long to try and go ahead and go ahead and launch something like this is, you know, I really feel like, you know, a lot of times people have dipped into the community pool and sort of leaned on that trust. And, you know, this person's a part of the community. They're going to do this. Everybody gets really excited. They put their money in and sometimes you don't always get, you know, either you don't get the return you expect or you don't get a, you know, hardly much of a return at all. So the one thing that I am really, really emphatic about is that no matter what happens, somehow, some way, even if there's a worst case scenario, if there's a small delay in production, that you're going to get your 30 minute short movie. Yeah, like, it's good that you you have that sort of planned out. I'm, 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 it's a refresher, to, to be honest. Um, uh, I also like how you keep people updated and how you're directly, you know, interacting with them. That's very uh, productive and very helpful. And uh, do, uh, w- w- I assume that you, if, if people could, you you wouldn't mind if they gave multiple times, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fantastic. But I, but I also, you know, um, the I really, it's hard for me to ask people for money. You know, it's one thing to make something, you, you've got it. You know, it's there, you know, you can buy it, but it's, you know, I, I've, again, that's one of the things I struggle with in, in launching, you know, the crowdfunding was, you know, um, having people put their faith in you for, you know, like a couple of months, several months down the road that they're going to get something. Um, but I do hope that I built up enough, you know, goodwill and credibility in the community that, you know, people do feel like, uh, that's, that's not going to be an issue for them. 
Exactly. I mean, I, I feel it as somebody who takes commissions. You definitely have that pressure to make sure that you're upfront and reasonable about your prices and accept that people will trust you to deliver a product for them. Yeah. And and I think a lot of it is just being transparent. Like, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be as transparent as possible as we progress and move forward. You know, I'm trying to keep people reasonably updated. And it, it's, it's, not, it's not easy already online to, you know, ask for money. Um, a lot of the things that I do with commissions, like Sassy said, is to make sure that it's reasonable, but also a fair price. And I think uh, the the tiers that you've selected and a lot of stuff that you've gone gone through with it, uh, gone through with about around it, are pretty reasonable. Especially when it comes to those higher tier things and and the mid tier things, those are very reasonable, like price gauges and stuff. So it does seem reasonable that a short film, like both downloadable and hard copy, if you were to ever make one would be twenty dollars it's very very reasonable and all the other stuff below it just you know makes sense so you've done a great job with that and uh, i do look forward to seeing this come come together you know well thank you i appreciate it and and really if you look at it just from a a mercenary point of view if you went to a clip store and you bought two 15-minute clips you're probably going to pay thirty dollars because it's usually about a buck a minute so you're already at for twenty bucks for a thirty dollar uh, pro I mean thirty minute project, you're already you know ahead of the game, and then you're also getting you know the behind the scenes pics and videos. So you're I think for twenty bucks you know versus going to just buy a, a thirty minute clip, I feel like it's a pretty good deal. I I hope everybody else feels the same way. Well, and it is a good deal, especially for something that you know will hopefully come out looking even more professional than most of those clips. Yep, that's the plan. Uh, I guess uh, we should, you know, start wrapping up with this and sort of uh, finish. But um, I just wanted to say thank you, Max Groth, for uh, doing this interview. Um, and, and I look forward to seeing this and the possible anthology uh, movie that could come from it and do you want to plug your pluggables, as Robert Evans says? I don't think he has a trademark over that that phrase. No, he doesn't, but it's still fun. <laughs> it's very Just, fun to say. If you if you have anything to plug, you should plug it for us. Oh, okay. Uh, well, right now, um, the big thing is just the crowdfunding. I mean, I have a Patreon, but uh, that's sort of just like for my regular max growth, kind of just purely regular fetish biz. work. I'm sorry? I just said regular biz. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, the regular biz. And but really, right now, I, I think if 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 anybody has a buck or more to to spend on anything related to my ventures, it, it would really be just a tremendous help, and I would greatly appreciate it. Um, you know, if they would put it toward the crowdfunding project at the moment. Remember, even even just a dollar helps. Definitely. Um, so, well, thank you, Matt, uh, Max Growth. Um, thank you for joining us and, and doing this interview. Um, it was very nice talking to you and we look forward to seeing where this goes, basically. Well, so, uh, have a, you first. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was just going to say, uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, you know, thank you so much for your efforts on my behalf to sort of, you know, get the word out and, and plug this thing and, and it's always a pleasure. Bye. Welcome back from the interview. That was great. I that was fun. That was that was great. So, 
uh, as as as, as is tradition, we will start this segment or this portion of the podcast, the post interview with the news. And I actually have a lot of updates for starters. Uh, I have found a couple more clips that I think people would like. One of which I think was actually produced this month, the month of June, um, and it is a uh, a clip by crap forgot the name it's cassie uh, cassie cummings and it's a blueberry inflation clip which is it's completely different than what they normally make uh they usually make very overtly sexual stuff but this this is just a blueberry inflation clip and it, it's no I relation it's called... to katie cummings <laughs> one could only wish uh sadly, I'd, love, I I'd love to see her do a blueberry clip <laughs> i think everyone would but i don't know if she if she uh does that stuff anymore which is kind of you know but who knows maybe if you have the money and you want to buy a clip from Katie Cummings, I'm sure you could motivate her to do so. There's there's that. Then there's a couple clips by Rosie Marie Feedy that are uh, blueberry inflation oriented. I don't know how recent those are, but they're very well made. Um, and I've 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 watched I've watched them. And then um, there's a couple clips on Curvage. I have to pull up the the people who made them uh, just to be just to figure out who it was. But I think it's Curvage Casey and Gaining Goth GF both have blueberry inflation videos that are very lovely curvage casey's has a very cool uh color change sequence that i that i think people would enjoy and it's very well made and there as always there are new tailor-made clips videos so support your local creator with that regard also uh yesterday was the 50th anniversary of the 1971 movie it was the 50th anniversary the 50th anniversary to it's 50th anniversary to the oh god no <laughs> but yeah no uh, uh i feel like we should celebrate by eating chocolate and not winning a prize <laughs> also uh i've heard that apparently july is uh blueberry month yeah it's juicy july juicy july okay celebrate with some some blueberries and chocolate and art make blueberry art <laughs> Do do as you please in this juicy July. It's usually it either is, it juicy. is the month. It is the month of Wonka. It is the month of blueberries. It is the month of chocolate and nothing else. Nothing else special about July whatsoever. Okay, so Blueberry Day is October twenty fourth. So we got a while. Let me see you when. Oh shit, we met. We missed National Blueberry Pie Day. Well, shit. All right, that's okay. We can get the next one. <laughs> But no, uh, yeah, June and July are almost always, in the artist community, touted as Juicy June and Juicy July, respectively. And usually, since it's July, that usually uh, leads to lots of artists posting sequences all throughout the month. One of my favorite sort of annual things, and I don't know if he's doing it this year, I'm not going to say that he is, but you know, you can look back at his previous ones. Uh, SidKid44 does a Juicy July... I think it's either donation expansion sequence or something, or or something like that. And he just has like different characters, and whoever gets the most likes, shares, or whatever is they expand that much within the next week. And he just draws. It, it's very good. It's very well made, and I love that that Juicy July tradition sort of that he's had going on there. But yeah, it is that time of year again, folks. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Should we also give brief mention to uh, uh, BBW Layla? Oh, yeah, Jesus, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, BBW Layla made a uh, blueberry clip. I don't know if we mentioned that last episode or if we did, uh, or if or if that wasn't ready yet. But yeah, she made... Oh, that, that, did, that did not happen last episode. Oh, yeah, no. Okay, so yeah, she made a blueberry clip, or two actually, although 
I don't know where the other one went. I know that she that one of them is still up. Um, they updated the site, and uh, I don't know how to navigate it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, I have both of them. They're very well made. They're very good. Um, Layla is kind of the perfect person to do a blueberry clip because she already looks like the early stages of a blueberry state of a blueberry inflation. She's very round. She's so round. Like whenever she does her full stuffing, she gets, she becomes sphere. And it's very cool because like, it's just impressive. Like after a certain point, it's no longer like, oh, this is really hot. This is like, wow, this is impressive, Layla. If the concept of large and in charge was a person, that would probably be Layla. Yeah, that's her aesthetic. That is definitely the stuff she posts on Instagram and shit. That is absolutely her. And I remember back about a year, maybe a year and a half ago, she was like, uh, she saw a picture of of a blue tracksuit and she's like, anyone know where I can get this for a blueberry clip? And now we have this. So she definitely got it. (laughs) So yeah, there's that. I'm trying to think of anything, any other updates. I can't think of much. If you, if something comes to mind, uh, you let me know. What about uh, Woods Cherry Inflation? Oh, fuck Jesus. I thought I did. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Woods also released a cherry inflation video, I believe, for Valentine's Day not too long ago, and I think it looks very good. It, it's not, it's different than blueberry, which is nice, because we usually have blueberry and that's it. In the mighty words of Jesus Christ, man cannot live on blueberry. <laughs> I don't see enough cherry inflation content, and I, I think that it's largely to do with the fact that a lot of people just generally do blueberry inflation again, but red. And I feel like there are other applications you can add to a cherry that you don't necessarily have with a blueberry i've suggested to a contact close to me for taylor made clips to do a cherry inflation uh but instead of getting fully round so they don't have to use the suit and and i've suggested doing a cherry inflation with like instead of uh the suit it's breasts and a pear inflation but instead of like with the suit it's uses but like that that stuff can definitely work like, pear inflation is always done with sort of a supersized ass expansion. With booty! With booty! But no, yeah, uh, I I honestly think that if you are a creator and you want to make uh, cherry inflation, just get big boob props <laughs> and then paint your face red. And that's, that's basically how I think you'd do it. But yeah, Woods did a cherry inflation for Valentine's. And while it isn't the breast inflation one, it is definitely cute and definitely lovely. And I suggest everyone to get it because... Well, because Woods is a cool person. They are pretty cool. They're pretty weird. Woods Weird Kink Cafe. Woods Weird... Woods Kink Cafe on Minivids. But yeah, no, uh, we have all those wonderful things, and um, it is the... It is Juicy July, and it, it, and you get uh, that 50th anniversary of Willy Wonka. So celebrate accordingly. Do you have any news? Do you have any updates? Do you wanna do you wanna report on the weather in Wonka World? I don't I don't know what that would be. <laughs> I don't really I don't think I have any updates, so I'm good. Alright, that's awesome. Um we got everything covered. Now shall we move on to the the next portion. Yes. The reflecting on the bizarre head cannons that people have decided to apply to different characters because of this kink. <laughs> and kind of specifically, uh Scarlet Beauregard. We can talk about everybody. I've added some headcanon to some of the characters, at least. Oh, yeah. Not to toot my own horn a little bit. A, little bit. a while back, I made a blueberry inflation sequence of Anna Sophia Robb, just kind of implying that in the years since the factory incident, like, she continued to fill up with juice. And so she kind of became famous in the 
gymnastics scene because of her great flexibility. But she then uh, transitioned over to modeling, again, because of her unique skin tone, her unique body type. And because she is still, even after the incident, still slowly filling up with juice, she could, like, model for, like, multiple different clothing brands that market to different uh, body types. And so every once in a while, she would fill herself up and then juice herself back down to uh, start the cycle all over again. The cycle begins anew. Honestly... That that is a dope fucking headcanon because like you you got to think about how these things would affect the wider world. One of the weird, one of the funnier headcanons I've seen uh, is that Scarlett Beauregard is a massive milf. I mean, she is though. I mean, I get that. I get that. However, like, there's no indication that she's worn a thong in the movie yet. For some reason, <laughs> every art that draws her with pants off assumes she's wearing one. Come on, look at that woman and tell me that she isn't the kind of person. Who would wear a thong to a factory uh, tour? I mean, I mean, you're not wrong. However, then also, like, I think this started with Weeb Lord, uh, or, or it was popularized by one of Weeb Lord's stories, but basically, like, Scarlet being a beauty queen. There's no indication of her being one. However, it is not a far-fetched idea to believe that she is. It's weird, because apparently that didn't happen, but for whatever reason, when you brought it up, I thought, oh yeah, that did happen, but it didn't. Like, the amount of stuff we've just attributed to different characters, even non-kink headcanons, like, the original Willy Wonka is definitely a sociopath. Again, much like Scarlet being a MILF, I feel like that's just kind of part of the text. This part, it's it's just generally accepted fact. I mean, it is part of the text, but it's also like, he clearly cares about people. He's clearly nice. I mean, I mean, the whole beauty queen angle does make sense, considering that a lot of the reason Violet is so competitive is because she gets that pressure from her mother, who probably competed a lot herself. The amount of people who've explored that angle astound me and i love it because it's such a like sympathetic angle for the character and just sort of it adds nuance as opposed to being like oh they're just terrible people yeah and violet sort of coming to terms with the fact that you know she has been pressured by her mother all of her life that was what that was what incentivized me to make her become a model in my head canon. So moving away from sports and what her mother wanted into something that she could make her own i felt like that was a good evolution of the character trying to think of other like character headcanons like the amount of times i've seen the trope of veruca post tour purchasing violet or the factory which is <laughs> which is a hilarious concept because a Willy Wonka would never do that he's a weirdo he's not a terrible person but b also the, there's also the headcanon that in that big fucking contract in the beginning of 71 movie if you become a thing that isn't human like fruit you become factory property which is a fucking wild ass caveat to think about because it's like all right now you're no longer human implications dude actually this reminds me of a um this reminds me of an article i read at one point where like sort of indicating that violet should have been the one to i disagree to with that article so fucking hard i, f I want to fight with that article so hard <laughs> because oh, it's, i mean i get it though but at the same time like uh she would have been a girl boss if she hadn't turned into a blueberry. <laughs> yeah, but then they wouldn't have had the trifecta. She's the girl boss, Wonka's the gatekeep, and the gaslight. Although, I, I personally like the idea of a girl boss who's already a blueberry. <laughs> I mean, it's a good concept. I've seen it explored a couple of times. Shockingly, there's a huge market for dominant berries, but there are very few stories. 
I made one that's barely soft dom. That's barely like dominant. That's just sort of like, ah, I'm also bigger than you and strong. It's like, I love the idea, but I don't know how to implement it practically. It's so fucking hard. I'm going to tell you this right now as somebody who writes. It is very hard to implement. However, once you do it, people want it. And I, 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 I just, <laughs> it's fucking fun to write, but it's so hard to get fleshed out, you know? Um, what else? What, uh, what, the one thing that's not a headcanon that I kind of like how they did in the 2005 movies, they made Augustus a really shitty person. (laughs) (laughs) It just made him a terrible person. Literally looking at this poor scrawny kid. (laughs) Would you like some chocolate? You should have brought some. (laughs) Just being shitty. I mean, I remember him being that much of a bastard in the, uh, the 71 movie. Was he, like, was he? I don't know. No, he was just a—he was just a blank slate. He was just a fat kid, you know. And <laughs> he ended up in a very unfortunate circumstance. But nah, in the O five movie, it's like fuck you, you got it coming. <laughs> fuck you, chubby kid. You I want, want some chocolate. Maybe you should have gotten your own instead of stealing it from the river like a pig. <laughs> There's this bizarre headcanon where, like, the Oompa Loompas are—they're imps as opposed to like people, which is an interesting reworking of that. But it's also kind of scary. <laughs> I mean, it's more of an aesthetic difference, I guess. Like, they still serve the same narrative purpose. However, that's much more terrifying because they're imps at that point. <laughs> also, am I the only one who was actually kind of scared by the Oompa Loompas as a child? Like, like the 71 era Oompa Loompas? I will tell you right now, you are not. Like, it's like they were these short orange people with green hair. And it was, it, it freaked me out. Put that into real life. If you saw, if when you failed, a group of six very short, orange, green-haired men came out and sang a monotone song about your failure. That's horrifying. <laughs> that's anxiety-inducing. If I were to turn to Scarlet, it's also a weird headcanon. And it's something that people do outside of the inflation community, where they ship Scarlet and Wonka, which is a very fun dynamic to explore, because Wonka is very clearly uncomfortable with Scarlet. It is a very fun dynamic to explore just because their personalities are very, like, I don't know how to describe it. They've got very big personalities. <laughs> and so seeing them, like, sort of rub up against each other is uh, interesting to watch. <laughs> and then, like, I have a personal headcanon that uh, that Willy Wonka has ASD in the 2005 movie. He has ASD. And he, his hyperfixation is candy. That's partially just because otherwise I can't fathom a neurotypical person doing all of that shit. I'm just happy they didn't make that canon because I don't, like, as an autistic person myself, I don't like that kind of representation. No, that's fair. I mostly enjoy it because it's just something that I relate to because he is isolated. I'm isolated. It, it, it was, it's a headcanon I like, but it's also not one that I want everyone to accept. Because if they do... Oh, look at me. I'm non-neurotypical, which means I'm I'm all quirky and awkward and shit. And it's like, yeah, but like, not not like that. He's clearly traumatized. There's He's not perfectly positive representation. I relate to it because I'm horribly traumatized. And I'm like, that's just me. I don't like that. <laughs> but I also really like that. The idea that Mike is a person who wants to commit murder is something that comes up in the movies. Wait, does he does he actually mention? No, but like it's subtext in both films that Mike is a ravenous, bloodthirsty child. I j- I just thought it was gamer rage because <laughs> he's a fucking gamer in the O five movie. Like, <laughs> but like think about this for a minute. 
you have like the, in the 71 movie he pulls out a pistol and just says they he just points it at a thing and he's like my dad won't let me have a real one if that was a real pistol he was going to shoot a reporter mike tv probably grew up to be a trump supporter oh god that at the very minimum at the very maximum he became a black market weapons dealer <laughs> I fully believe that he would have been the guy to supply the weapons for the Iran-Contra affair. <laughs> oh, God, that's really Wait, but it's, it's kind of vague as to when the 05 movie even takes place. Was Ronald Reagan even in office when that happened? Okay, so the thing with the 05 movie that really interests me is it's modern. Like, there's Mike and, and Violet, who are both, like, 2000s-era boy and girl. Then it's also... Cold War? Because Germany, there's Germany, and it's different, and I would say it's it's a time period that doesn't exist. I say nostalgia. It's like, part of it takes place in the modern day, while the other part of it takes place during, like, this sort of 1950s, this 40s era period piece, almost. Like, it feels like a World War II movie. Because Willy Wonka goes on adventures, and he's he's clearly, like, there's the adventurer aesthetic, which is something that only really stopped existing around the 30s and 40s. And then, then you have the 40s era New York, which has all these fancy dresses and big hats. You have Morocco, which I think looks more like its 30s counterpart, 30s, 20s counterpart. Then you have wherever the fuck Charlie lives. And it looks like a fucking, like a factory town with all the housing built near or around the factory. It looks like England post-Brexit. <laughs> and then you have Mike, who has video games that are clearly from at least 2005 onward. And I just... I'm baffled. I'm absolutely baffled. I keep looking at that clip wondering what game he's playing, because it kind of looks like Quake, but I can't tell. Yeah, it, it, it looks fun. I mean, like, I, I want to know what the game is as well, to be honest. <laughs> but at the same time, it's just, oh, God, it's, it's such an interesting amalgamation, and it makes for a good world to play in creatively. Indeed. But yeah, like, my, my favorite headcanon is the idea that not only is she a milf she's a beauty she's a former beauty queen and she's a karen that, that let, let's not forget that she's a karen apparently one idea that i've seen you bring up at least in some of the commissions you've bought was the idea of the oompa loompas unionizing <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely because let's face it they're basically slave labor like i know i know this point has been hammered home like a million times elsewhere but he pays them in chocolate. It shows what time period Rolled Doll came from to where that's considered, you know, not off color. <laughs> like, and it was originally they were African pygmies. Yeah. My headcanon is not only do they unionize, they still do the factory stuff, but they do it to their own degree and Wonka's just either there or dead. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, you know, they still want to make chocolate, but they want to make chocolate for themselves. They want to own the means of the chocolate production. <laughs> I have a whole POV series that is quite literally just an alternate universe where there is my character Annabelle Eunice basically just taking over. It, it, like they just take the factory and they're all doing their own shit and they're just trying to one by one take out the global, like the the people that are being shitty that are that are allowing this to continue to happen. And it's it's supposed to be pleasurable and like stuff as well. Like their demises. Uh, are used to sort of siphon up their... It, it's fucking great, the, the lore I have behind this. I won't ever explain the full depth of it, and I try and keep it gender neutral. But there are, like, each story has its own, like... Uh, it, it's just fun to write. Yeah, no, it's... Oh, it's fun. 
It do is they, fun. Do they kill any of their bosses by blowing them up as blueberries? I mean, the first story is a blueberries and cream inflation, so yeah. Um, it's it's a rich air, if I'm not mistaken. It mixes the aesthetic. Uh, it, it tries to... What the original intention was with that story was it was trying to... Uh, it was trying to capture the Weave Lord kind of gargantuan, uh, hefty feedback kind of a flabby body it was merging that with the augustus sort of greed and then moving on towards a sort of like lazy sort of pampered lifestyle after that and it was it was fun to work with so yeah and that was all accomplished by having different oompa loompas be like unionized and like they keep up the aesthetic that they are like under sort of wonka's direction but that's sort of a misnomer or misdirection i it's it's a fun hand cannon to work with as well because then you can just the you can just imagine the amount of power the oompa loompas would wield with a factory that ships across the planet. <laughs> so yeah, part of me wants to finish to wrap this up with, uh, since we've covered Scarlet Head Cannons, if every single one of you who has the ability to make a commission just gets a Scarlet Commission, that'd be great. <laughs> we can make the Scarlet Month. <laughs> you know what? I think that's what September should be. Scarlet September. I don't know. I'll fi- we'll figure something out. But yeah, no. Uh, tell us your head cannons about the characters uh, in the comments below. On top of what I originally told you to put in comments below in the before interview section of this podcast. Shall we round out the episode? Uh, yeah, I think we can round this all out. Round. <laughs> <laughs> mm, big round and juicy. Loud. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed it, please hit subscribe. Hit like. Smash that like button. <laughs> Share. Like. Um, we don't have merch yet. We might. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, uh, we hope you enjoyed that, and we'll see you in the next fucking episode. Bye bye This episode of the Juicing Room Podcast was hosted by Agro Wonks and Sassy Viper, with featured guest Max Brett. Music was provided by Stevia Sphere under Creative Commons license.